Hello, everybody, and welcome to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. I'm Lena Lahire, certified personal trainer, nutrition coach, best-selling author, and psychology student at the University of Calgary. I'll be discussing topics that range from nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and everything in between so you can feel confident in how to move towards better health physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get into our topic for the day. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode. I have a question for you. What are you going to do when you fail? This is not a matter of me asking, what are you going to do if you fail? It's a matter of me asking, what are you going to do when you fail? Now, this is not a popular subject to talk about, especially when you see all of these motivational speakers talking about you can achieve anything if you just set your mind to it. Uh, There's a lot of really positive messages out there, and those are all well and good, but that's not reality. Reality is many of us, all of us, are going to fail at multiple goals that we have. We don't achieve everything that we set out to. And even when we work really hard and we put in a lot of effort, we still fail. So what are you going to do when that happens? I think that the success comes not from when we necessarily achieve a goal, but how we respond in the face of failure. So today we're going to talk a little bit about why we fail at our goals despite our best efforts, what are some of the things we're doing that are sabotaging our goals, and a little bit about the motivation behind our goals, and most importantly, what we can do about it. So when we look at why we're failing at a goal or why we failed at a goal, I think the first step is to look at the motivation behind that goal in the first place. There's two kinds of motivation that we can see behind goals. One is autonomously driven and one is control driven. Autonomous reasons for pursuing a goal could be because of the fun and enjoyment you're gonna derive from that goal, because you believe it's important, or because it represents your values. But some of the controlled reasons that you could be pursuing a goal or that we pursue goals is because someone else wants us to, because we would feel guilty if we didn't, or because our self-worth depends on it. And we have so many different goals that we're juggling and goals that compete against one another and some are autonomous and some are controlled but we do need to have a balance of them but if most of your goals that are high on your priority list are not autonomous meaning that you you don't want to do them for yourself you want to do them for someone else those goals have been shown to be far less effective than autonomous driven goals So we need to figure out 
what the motivation behind our goals are and if we can make them a little bit more autonomous or fully autonomous and if they're not autonomous why they're important and like I said we're going to have to find a balance of having autonomous driven goals and control driven goals in order to find success but it is those autonomy driven goals that do find more success in the end so we need to feel like we have some sort of say in the goals that we have for example if you've been told by your doctor that you need to go and exercise because you have been diagnosed with a health condition well that might be really difficult for you because now you kind of feel like you're being forced to go and exercise. However, you can make that a more autonomous goal by thinking about your health and choosing to go and exercise. So instead of thinking of exercise as something you have to do, you can think of exercise as as something that you get to do. This makes that goal, that example of a goal, more autonomous when we think of a get to instead of a have to mentality. Another thing that we can look at when we failed at a goal is the amount of self-efficacy we have. Self-efficacy is the belief that you have the ability to achieve a certain task or a certain goal. So if we don't have high self-efficacy, if we don't believe we can actually achieve the goal, then you're probably not as likely going to achieve that goal. In fact, you're not as likely to achieve that goal. The higher the self-efficacy, the more likely it is you are going to give effort and persist at your goal even when there's obstacles that come up. So you have to ask yourself, do I actually believe that I can achieve this goal? It's really interesting. This is um, both anecdotal and in the research, but in terms of New Year's resolutions, when when researchers have asked people if they think that they have the ability to achieve the goal or they think that they will achieve the goal, a lot of people say no. And I have found this in working with clients, specifically weight loss clients, when you ask them, do you believe that you can lose the weight? A lot of them say no. Well, this is already setting the stage for failure. If you don't have that self-efficacy, how are you going to persist and give your goal your honest effort if you don't actually believe you're going to achieve it in the end? Now, not all of us have the same self-efficacy about all of our goals. Some goals are going to be higher in self-efficacy and some goals are going to be lower. And I think it's important to note that self-efficacy is not the same as self-esteem. So we can have high self-esteem, but low self-efficacy for specific tasks. But we need that higher self-efficacy, that belief that we are actually going to achieve that goal if we want to achieve it. However, we also need to pair that optimism with 
realism and knowing the obstacles that are going to come our way when we're embarking on a goal. And this is one one area that I want to talk about as well. And I did touch on it in that goal setting and motivation episode as well, if you want to check that out. So when we fail at a goal, we need to figure out what was the motivation behind my goal? Was it coming from me? Was it autonomous? Or was it coming from an outside, something external source? Like my parents want me to do well, or my spouse wants me to achieve this goal, or my doctor needs me to achieve this goal. And then we need to assess how much self-efficacy or belief we have about our ability to actually achieve that goal. An important thing we have to remember is that self-control, which is the capacity to alter or override one's typical way of responding to distractions or temptations, we have a limited capacity of self-control, meaning that we can only do so much in one day because to achieve a goal takes effort. And there's only so much effort that we can give. And we, when we have multiple goals, our effort is then divided. And we do have a limited capacity for how much we can give at any given time. So for example, if you have two competing goals that are really high on your priority scale, you're not going to be able to achieve both of them at the highest level that you could if you're maxed out on one. So if you are completely maxed out on time, on energy, on resources to achieve one goal, then it doesn't matter all of the things that you do to achieve the other goal. You could have the best plan in place, the most strategic plan. Your resources are limited. And this is why you'll hear some Researchers say don't have more than two goals at a time. Well, that's not really realistic, but I would change that and say don't have really high priority goals that are competing at any given moment and expect to achieve all of them equally. So there's going to be some give and take. So we have a limited amount of self-control. However, we can circumvent this to a certain degree with some strategic planning. Now, I just said it doesn't matter if you have the most strategic planning. You, if you have way too many goals and you're completely maxed out, it's not going to matter. But this is a different kind of planning. And this is something psychologist Goalwitzer calls implementation plans. Another way of saying this is if-then planning. And Goalwitzer is a leading psychologist in motivational research. So research shows that if-then instructions has a huge impact on goal achievement. And Goalwitzer says, Holding a goal intention does not guarantee goal achievement because many people fail to deal with self-regulatory problems during goal striving, whether that's interference from other planned goals or unanticipated obstacles, distractions, temptations. When we don't have a plan, 
an implementation plan to account for those things, then we are sure to fail. So what implementation planning, and I'm going to call it if-then planning, does that's so important to catch the concept of is that it takes the brain power out of the equation. So if you create a plan, then your automatic response when a situation arises is to have this behavior that you want to achieve. If that becomes automatic, it doesn't tap into that self-control reservoir that you have. When things become automatic, they're easy to do. And this is ultimately our overall goal. Our overall goal when it comes to achieving our goals is yes, our goals are going to require effort, but eventually we want them to become more automatic so we can make space for new incoming goals or goals that demand more of our time and attention. An example of if-then planning could look like, if it is a Monday morning, then I will go to the gym. If I am not hungry, then I will stop eating. Or if I'm not hungry, then I won't eat. Or if I've had a full dinner, then I will not eat after. You catch, you catch my drift. So when we make these plans, something really magical happens because all of a sudden we have these cues that the situation provides for us to start to implement our behavior that we really want to. And it sounds simple, but it really is profound in what it can do. Another thing about if-then planning is that it looks at the potential obstacles that you're going to face. And this is really important when it comes to goal setting because a lot of people will look at what they want to achieve, but they don't look at some of the things, some of the barriers that are going to come and the obstacles, the distractions, temptations that that are going to come that are going to kind of veer them off track. And if you've already planned for those, if, say, the goal is to exercise, if something comes up in my schedule, then I will push it down a little bit because I've committed to exercise, something along those lines. So you want to make room and space for the obstacles that you're going to face when you're trying to achieve a goal. But if you never factor that in, then achieving that goal is going to be really difficult because you will be met with difficulties. So you need to plan ahead. And this is one of the things that we do where we completely sabotage our goals. Many people think the most common mistake we make is not knowing the correct action to take to reach our goals but it's actually the execution of the action needed for the task that's the problem. And one of the ways we sabotage our goals is we simply don't plan ahead. And this if-then planning is so important. We also need to make sure that when we are creating our plans for our goals, 
is not to be vague. We want to make sure that we're clear and concise and specific. We're not vague. So if you think about some of the goals that you have, and I encourage you to do so, what are they? Are they clear and specific? I'll give you an example of goals that are not specific. Exercise more. Eat less. Spend more time with my family. Get good grades. These goals, while they're okay, they're extremely vague. For instance, when you say exercise more, how much more? What kind of exercise? When will you exercise? What will happen if something comes up in your schedule that is competing for that time? You need to make sure that you are specific about all of the details of that goal and acknowledge the obstacles that are going to come up and plan for what you're going to do when those obstacles do come up. So don't be so vague when you're planning out your goals and don't have too many high, high, high competing goals either because like I said, we have that self-control reservoir, but creating this if-then planning will help to by-step that. Another reason or another way that we sabotage our goals is we get easily distracted and we don't seize the moment. For example, if you have a goal of exercising, but you also think about all the things that you need to get done, say you need to get done the laundry, by the time you finally decide that your goal to exercise is going to override all of those other goals, that window that you've had to exercise could be closing or have already closed. So you need to make sure again that you're creating those plans and then sticking to those plans, making sure that you're not gonna get distracted by all these temptations. I will say this, if your goals are autonomous, you've created them for yourself because you want them, then you're not going to be so easily swayed by distractions and temptations. So this is kind of like one big virtuous circle is we need to have these autonomous goals for them to really sink in so we don't have so much uh, push to go towards our distractions instead of our goals. Another thing that we do is we don't self-monitor. We rarely reach our goals by accident. We have goals that we are trying to achieve. So we don't just magically get there by accident because without feedback, our motivational system doesn't work. Our brain works on the principle of discrepancy reduction. So discrepancy reduction is the difference. This discrepancy is the difference between where you want to be and where you actually are. When your brain detects a discrepancy between those two places, it takes action to close that gap. But if we have no feedback, then there's no discrepancy that's detected and therefore the brain does nothing, nothing happens. So feedback can come from various sources, whether it's like the grades we get in school or evaluations at work, but sometimes a lot of the time for these personal goals that we have, 
it needs to be, our feedback needs to be self-generated. And this is what psychologists call self-monitoring, essentially checking in with how you're doing. The problem with self-monitoring is it's multifaceted, the problems. We often neglect self-monitoring or checking in because A, it requires effort, and B, this is the kicker, it also deals with the possibility that you're not doing well, resulting in negative feedback. And people don't like negative feedback, but that negative feedback and the negative emotions associated with that feedback can help to propel you forward and cause action towards your goal if you have the right mind frame about why you're achieving your goal and how you're viewing your failure. So here's an example. Your goal is to lose weight, but you know you haven't eaten very healthy over the last few weeks, so you avoid the scale. In this case, the scale is self-monitoring. You avoid it because you don't wanna feel bad. But the problem with doing that is you don't end up making any progress either. So we need to be willing to self-monitor and face the fact that we may not be doing well and then ask ourselves why. What's causing me to not do well in this goal? Am I getting distracted too much? Do I have too much on my plate? Am I spreading myself too thin? Is my goal realistic in the first place? What is the motivation behind my goal? Is it something I really want? Or is it something I'm doing for someone else? But I don't, it doesn't align with my values. So this self ability to self monitor is so important. If we're not at a place where we want to be, essentially you can call it failing or not, and we ask ourselves why and it results in this negative feedback, we need to be able to view our failures in a way that helps propel us forward, not knocks us back down. If we have goals that are based more on achievement or validation or seeking self-worth from outside sources, then our confidence can be easily knocked. But if we have goals to get better, to learn more, to achieve something, and we're using ourselves as our own comparison instead of others, then viewing this failure or being where, we're, where we don't wanna be isn't going to knock us back as much. And we're going to be able to persist more when we do face the obstacle of not being where we want to be but we need to be able to self-monitor and check in. So this is another way that we sabotage our goals is we don't check in and we don't face the reality that we may not be where we want to be. When we fail at a goal, most people assume that it was down to their ability, that in some way they weren't cut out for whatever goal it was they were trying to achieve. But really, this couldn't be further from the truth. While ability may play a small role in achieving a goal, it's much more about putting in effort and persisting through difficulty and having a strategic plan. Innate ability does not have as much of an influence compared to persistence. 
One of the most common reasons we fail at a goal is that we give up too soon. People who cope with a challenge by thinking, I should have worked harder, persist much longer than those who think, I'm stupid or I guess I was just unlucky. If we believe that things are fixed, our abilities, our personalities, if these are fixed entities, and I talked about this in the podcast about goal setting, if we believe these things are unchangeable, then when we do come up against obstacles that challenge this way of thinking, then we just back down because we think, well, what's the point? I can't change my ability anyways. I can't change my intelligence. This is just my personality. So might as well not even work on it. But if we believe that there's always the chance of improvement, that we can always get better, we may not be the best. Ability does play some role in goal achievement. I mean, just look at athletes. Some people are truly incredible athletes, but they also work really hard as well. And just because someone isn't at the top doesn't mean they can't get better from where they originally started. So if you come in to your goal realizing that you can always progress and get better and learn, then you're much more likely to persist when the going gets tough and the road gets rocky. We need to make sure we're attributing our successes and failures to the right causes as well. Failures that are caused by totally unchangeable ability are actually not that common because improvement is always within our reach. But if we praise ability, which we do in a lot of Western cultures over everything, then when we encounter a difficult task or problem, we just end up jumping to the conclusion that we don't have what it takes to do well. And this is wrong. This is not this is not helpful thinking or correct thinking because we know just looking at the brain, our brain is plastic. It has the ability to change, it has the ability to change shape and create new pathways. So we know that we can improve Lots of people do have different abilities that seem to come naturally, but I don't know. I guess the the question of nature versus nurture comes in to the equation. Is someone, you know, quote unquote, and I hate this um, term, book smart, because it implies that they didn't have to do anything to become smart. Are they raised in an environment um, where their parents were, you know, involved in academia or something or you know like there's there's so many different parts to the equation that ability does not account for everything and it really is the way that we persist in difficulty that is so poignant in achieving our goals the last thing i want to talk to you about is knowing when to give up. And giving up is also not something we like to talk about because we're told we can achieve anything we want. Maybe, but maybe not. A lot of us don't achieve all the things that we want and for good reason, because a lot of the times we want things that are unrealistic. 
but we also have goals that are realistic and good, but we still need to give up on them. And we need to know when it's important and when it's time to give up those goals. Some goals have an expiry date and some goals were never realistic in the first place. We only have so much time in a day. We only have so much personal bandwidth and we need to know which goals to keep and which to let go of. If you have a goal that's tied to your self-image or your identity, you're going to have a harder time giving this goal up because giving it up is literally a threat to who and what you are. But if you do decide to give up that goal, what you need to do is replace it with a new goal. So for example, your goal is to exercise or to run. So you start running, but you hate running. You need to replace that goal with a different form of exercise so you can maintain that goal of exercising. It's okay to give up your goal of running if it really does not suit your lifestyle, but you need to replace it with something that's more realistic. Some goals have an expiry date. They were good for a season and now they no longer serve what they once served. Our schedules change, our minds change, our lives change, all of these things change and we need to realize what goals were for a certain time and what goals are for now. And I've had to give up lots of goals that I've had. So I had a goal to become a personal trainer. I went to university, I did all of the schooling and the training, then I had goals to have a full clientele, I achieved that, um, I had a great business, and then I realized that my goal had changed and I wanted to focus more on nutrition and psychology, and I gave up being a personal trainer. I let go of that to make room for something different. But giving that goal up was very strongly tied to my self-image. I always just saw myself as a personal trainer. And it was hard to let that goal go because I really, it's something that I valued. It was an autonomous goal. I chose it for myself, but it's that didn't mean it didn't have an expiry date. And some goals have expiry dates, maybe some don't, but I would probably wager to say a lot do. Um, I mean, you know, eating healthy and exercising, those are our goals that can last a lifetime, but they look different, right? Like your goals for exercise could look different. You could have different training goals or different endurance goals or, or whatnot. So these goals are always changing and we need to know when it's time to give that up. I will say that if you have a goal and it's not one that you've chosen for yourself and it's causing you a lot of stress and anxiety, I would ask yourself, is this goal really important? Does it need to be a part of my life? Or am I doing it to fill some other certain void or gap that I believe it will fill, but it's actually causing me a lot more stress then it's causing me good. And I will also say that your mind 
is allowed to change. You're allowed to change your mind. You could have a goal to do something at one point in your life and then it could change and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you failed at that goal. You could have achieved great things with that goal. Like with personal training for me, I achieved the full clientele. I was making a good income and then it ended because my goals changed and that was okay. So maybe you had a goal to be a stay-at-home mom and that was your goal and then you had kids and you realized something's missing. I really want to do some meaningful work. That's okay. Your goals are allowed to change. It doesn't make you a bad mom. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just means you realize that you needed something more for this next season of your life. And you can apply this to all different areas of goals, but just as important as it is to know of the things that we're doing that sabotage our goals or why we failed at goals, we need to know when to give up the goals that are no longer serving our walks anymore. And you can only do that by checking in and self-reflecting. This is so important. So that's the end of this episode. I'm gonna end it here. I hope this gave you some food for thought about goal setting. And if you have failed at your goals, why you failed at them and what it is that you can do. And I will reemphasize the importance of strategic planning and that if-then planning that takes that, uh, that makes that goal more automatic. So it takes that brain power out. If you're going to do something, then it will result in this. Make sure that you're planning your goals. Choose a couple, say it's exercise. Plan that exercise. I am going to exercise like this, this many times a week. If this comes up, then I will do this. If this distraction comes up, then I will do this. And simply writing that down can really have profound effects. So make sure that you are planning properly. Make sure that you actually believe that you can achieve a goal because if you don't, if you don't actually believe you're gonna achieve it, then you're not going to and there's no point. But make sure that if you don't have that self-efficacy, you can get a little bit more of it by comparing or contrasting other things that you've accomplished. So you can increase your self-efficacy. Um, think about the other things that you've done and you've achieved and then relate that to the situation or the goal that you have in front of you. It is possible for you to achieve it because you've done these other things. You can also compare yourself to someone else and think of the things that they did to achieve their goal and how you could implement some of their strategies in your life. And if you don't know how they achieve their goal, ask them, have a conversation. Uh, a lot of people are willing to talk about that, especially in the health and fitness um, realm. If your goal is to exercise, find someone in your life that's an avid exerciser and ask what they do. Ask some of the mental processes they go through or some of the motivations that drive them to exercise. 
And that can be really helpful for increasing your self-efficacy or that belief that you have the ability to do whatever it is, the whatever the task is and the goal is that you're trying to achieve. That's it for today, guys. Take care, have a good day, and I will talk to you next episode. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel on iTunes and please leave me a review so we can get this message of better health out there. Have a great day and remember, you are powerful over your health.